0: Welcome to the Unbranded Podcast with Miss Dean Loves You, where we have interesting conversations with interesting people and learn about unconventional ways to live our best lives. I'm your host, Susie Dean. I'm a former teacher, mother in her MILF era, and wife. I have the incredible experience now of exploring topics and ways of living that I've always been curious about. The conversations on this pod are always relaxed, authentic, and might just teach you a thing or two. I promise that every episode will leave you with a deeper sense of self and understanding for those who are different from you. So get comfy cozy, grab a drink of your choice, and let's have some fun together. Hi, you guys. On this week's episode, we get to hear from Kate again but this time our topic is much heavier and more sensitive than last week's. We will be talking about Kate's personal experience with childhood sexual and physical abuse at the hands of a parent and how it has impacted her relationships with herself, others, and the way that she intentionally parents her daughter. If this topic or this episode is one that might trigger some feelings that you're not ready for, um, or might bring up old traumas, or just not serve you in general— Go ahead and skip this one. I love you. If you or someone you know has experienced or is experiencing sexual abuse of any kind, I've added some resources in the show notes. Kate, welcome back to the podcast, and thank you so much for your vulnerability today. Okay, thanks so much for joining me again, Kate. I really appreciate this, and I just want to thank you in advance for, for allowing yourself and putting yourself in the space to share this story because I know that it's something that a lot of people need to hear. And be exposed to.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm grateful to be able to share my story. So, um, you've been more vocal recently on on social media about your personal experience with sexual assault as a child and sexual abuse as a child. Um, and I know that that informs a lot of the way that you are raising your daughter. And I know that that is a passion point of yours to share about, to protect other children. So can you just start off by telling us, just sharing your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So
1: for me, my earliest memories of the abuse are about two and a half. And for most of my life... I only really remembered some of the more just, like, physical violence that occurred. So he, my biological father, would punch holes in the wall. He would come home drunk and, like, he ripped the front door off. Like, I vividly remember that. Um, He would, like, he ripped up our countertop once. And then, like, he, he, like, punched a hole in the wall next to my mom's head kind of stuff. Um, how much do you want me to like
0: get into? I'll get how much as ever much as you are comfortable with, and also think would be of value. And I will put hard trigger warnings on this because there are certain things that I obviously won't go into the details of
1: because no one needs any ideas of how to right. write. Yes. Cogn- I yeah, abuse. Be don't want to go that far either. Yes. Um. So. It took me 20 years to acknowledge, almost 20 years to acknowledge the sexual abuse that occurred. So I always just thought it had been just like some physical stuff. So spanking, that kind of stuff. But if I was crying and my mom, this always occurred when my mom wasn't around. He was very sneaky and he would, if I was crying, he would take his hands and cover up my mouth and my nose at the same time like this, mm-hmm. and then would like restrict my breathing until I almost passed out uh-huh. and then that would like literally stop me from crying. So he just didn't I think he was general generally annoyed by us. I was later told um when I was about 15 that it was my fault and that my mom and I had driven him to drink and that all of the abuse that occurred was my fault the abuse occurred between the ages of zero and four so not sure how you know that could be your fault so I actually never internalized that I knew that everything that happened wasn't my fault um and I'm really fortunate that I'm able to recognize that because I know there are a lot of survivors who don't feel the same way and they do feel like it's their fault or they've been brainwashed to the point where like they think that like this was either normal mm-hmm. or that they need to forgive because because it was a family member. And over 90% of childhood sexual abuse survivors know their abuser and the statistics vary, but between 40 and 60% of those people are directly related to the child biologically. Um, people who do this to children are very sneaky in how they do it. They will disguise it as games. And in my situation, it was every time it was presented as a game. Um, that I was like coerced into playing, but then told that it was a secret. It was just between us. And um then there was one time where he like threatened my physical safety as maybe maybe four at that point. Um, and then he would do things just outside of the abuse when we were with other people to cause people to doubt me. So I think he, would tell people that I would, like, lie. And there were certain situations where I would just, like, say something had happened unrelated to abuse. Just like, hey, I, um, the neighbor's dog, like, bit me at one point and they didn't believe me at first until a little bit later when they're like, oh, there's actually a mark. So there were just things that he did to plant seeds of doubt. Um, And I think that's really important for parents to know that a child that age is not capable of manipulation. Developmentally, they're not capable of it. So if they're coming to you and telling you that someone did something to them, they're not lying about it. Like, I think, I don't know where this comes from, where people are like, yeah, well, kids lie a lot. And that stage comes along, the fear and lying stage... I believe it's five and six where they're pushing boundaries and like, it's like little things where they're like, I didn't eat that cookie, that kind of thing. Or like, I didn't make that mess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if a child is coming to you and telling you that someone either touched them or did something to them, like you need to take it really seriously. Yeah.
0: It sounds like your father um was very intentional with setting up an entire environment that would allow him to get away with this so there was significant thought and intention yes. that he that he spent he spent time thinking about and planning what he could do not just within the household but within the 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 friend group um and other people to make this like a foolproof safe situation.
1: Yes. Um, and to this day, mm-hmm. I have extended family on my mom's side who don't believe me. Oh. Um, and that's why for so long it took me, I would allude to it. Like you can tell in my earlier videos back in 2020, I allude to there being physical abuse. But it's just now recently that I am wanting to share more about it specifically being sexual abuse um because i there's so many of us um the more i share some of these videos that i've talked specifically about it i get hundreds if not thousands of comments from people telling me like yeah it was my mom's boyfriend it was my stepdad it was my grandpa um Mm -hmm. and the hardest thing for me is that in a lot of cases, um, the child will tell their parent. And like if it was the father abusing them, they'll go to their mom and the mom will tell them either that they need to be quiet about it um, or that it didn't happen. And that has happened to a handful of people who are really close to me um, as well as like some family members. But he was so good at creating this facade of this, like, great family man who, like, loved Jesus and was really outgoing and, like, people liked to hang out with him. So I up until I disclosed to my family that there had been more extensive abuse, people would still bring him up to me. And it would just be like he had no roll in my life from the age of six on like his custody was removed or we were removed from his custody so that's been like a really interesting thing for me to navigate because it feels like I'm having to give people grace even though it's or like comfort people even though it's my trauma. yeah um but it was hard like trying to convince people like no like you have no idea and at the time because they're catholic my mom didn't believe in divorce and so she was suffering all of this abuse as well right um and she was a single mom like even when she was married she did it all and she was an amazing mom um yeah so i don't blame her for like any of that i do and i did resent more so i don't as much anymore but I did resent the fact that she hid the fact that he was a terrible person to our family mm-hmm. until she was like, I have to leave. I have to get a divorce. Like, I have to get out now. It's not safe anymore. And it never was safe. But, um, yeah. So, like, all these years later, like, I had family being like, well, he was still great. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. And
0: he can't well, legally contact me now. So, Well, thank goodness. So one were you the only child in the house? no my sister was there as well did this happen to her she doesn't she doesn't
1: think so but she was two years old so when i was we're two years apart okay um he's a diagnosed narcissist mm-hmm. so be ending the final kind of like catalyst in my mom deciding to leave they had been in couples counseling and they told them that they would two couples counselors they said they wouldn't meet with them unless he got anger management which now all these years later we know anger management is actually um a tool for narcissists so it actually is not helpful for narcissists to get anger management classes um but he, there's usually someone that they, um, it's usually one child that they will focus the abuse on. And then you have, like, the golden child. And my sister's whole life, he was obsessed with her. Like, trying to get in contact with her. Like, after he wasn't in our lives anymore, he showed up to several of her soccer games in high school. Like, he was just, like, full on, like, stalking her. All the way up until the point where, like, he knew that she was pregnant with her first child, like, three years ago. So, like, very scary. But he just not – I don't know if I, like, remind him of my mom. I don't know if it's because I just, like, don't tolerate or I won't engage with him because engaging with a narcissist is not productive. Mm -hmm. And I truly, like, at the end of the day, like – he doesn't deserve to, like, breathe the same air as me. I'm pretty, like, brutal about how I talk about that. Yeah. But, yeah, so as far as we know, she didn't experience the same level um, of abuse. She witnessed him abuse our mom. Yeah. Like, she her earliest memories are, like, um, the police being at the house. Um, you know, him throwing, throwing things. Like, that's what she remembers of him. Yeah. So
0: can you walk me through the process of their divorce and him like then no longer being able to contact you and kind of where he is today? Absolutely. (laughs) So um,
1: I, I think I was I think it was when I was four. My mom was in therapy by herself. So the couple's therapist said, I want to meet with you separately and met with my mom. And she did that so she could get her alone to tell her that she needed to get out. Because we truly could have ended up in a situation where he, like, unalived all of us, just snapped and done something terrible. Um, He had driven drunk with us in the car a couple times, so he was now no longer allowed to have us. I think we had three visitations let me backpedal um so when my mom went to therapy alone uh you know she was there to work on herself she was like i'm obviously like part of the problem like how can i be a better wife whatever and this therapist is like no like get the fuck out." sorry i don't know if i can i probably can't curse um, oh my god curse it up okay <laughs> yeah rules so-, so the therapist just looked at her and she goes Do you want your girls to grow up and marry men like this? Because they will. And that woman, I don't know who she is. I wish I could find her because she changed the the trajectory of my life. Um, And my mom decided that day that she was done. And she had him, like, she kicked him out of the house. Because when it came down to it, when she finally stood up to him, he was a coward and he was a drunk and he couldn't keep a job. And so she was like, I'm just going to do this. And she did it. And um, I remember that Christmas, the first Christmas she had left him, they were still married. Um, We were up here in Colorado. My mom's whole family is up here, which is how I ended up out here. Um. We were celebrating Christmas at my grandparents' house and I didn't know this at the time, but I would find out as an adult later that he called her on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to tell her that he'd been cheating on her and he wanted her to know that. And he wanted and he called her all sorts of names and he would tell her how unattractive she was and um which sucks that still has impacted her self-esteem today. She's still that is so. That's such a deep wound for her that I don't know how you, really fully heal from that. Um, and her response was, "Do I need to get tested? I love her. She's like, I love her. Going on, like, do I need to get tested? Cut.
0: So she said, do I need to get tested? And because she was so emotionally detached from him at that point and the whole situation. I think at that point she realized
1: like how serious the situation was. And she just went into like, these are my, these are my, these are my babies. I have to protect them. Like, I'm not, they're not going to have this life. Absolutely not. And um, he ended up, he got to see us three times. Um, after the divorce proceedings, because he didn't show up to the custody hearing, <laughs> he talked a big game. He talked about how he was gonna take us and she'd never see us again. And again, when it came down to it, he was a coward, which was why everything that happened to me happened in secret because he's a coward. and um, was really good at still, I'm sure is good at manipulating people. but uh, yeah, at that point she was just she she was like nope we're good like you're never gonna oh the last time he had us he was driving drunk with us when he dropped us off with our mom heavily intoxicated and my mom looked at him and she said you will never get them again and he never did because you don't like you don't get to do that so he disappeared for six years he moved to california And in order to avoid paying child support, he, for 20 years, um, got jobs that, like, paid in cash or, like, were not through the state because they track you down, the government does, and they pull it out of your your check. And what's really funny now is that all these years later, I'm 27, my sister's 25, that man is still paying child support to my mom. (laughs) He is? Yeah. She's like, I got a letter in the mail. This is like two years ago. She's like, yeah, it says there's like a balance on the Oklahoma whatever card that they have for child support. And she was so funny. She went and got her nails done. This <laughs> one, like, good for you. Yeah. My, and she, she did. I yeah, by herself. Yeah. Good. And she was a teacher for 30 years. So she, most of my childhood was spent at her elementary school and it was like, so there were good parts too. There's like this really dark side where these bad things happened, but then there's all of the work she put in because she, all she wanted was to be a mom. All she ever wanted in life was to have a family and like that makes me so sad for her. Like she talks about how she, if she had to go do it over again, she would for my sister and I. But it just makes me really sad for her that, like, she never got that, like, love of her life situation. I think she and my stepdad loved each other, um, but she never, like, I don't know. It just, it's, I feel sad that her self-esteem wasn't at a point where she felt like she deserved someone who treated her well. Um, But she, she made sure, she made for certain then my sister and I would not make the same mistake, so we married like incredible men.
0: So, so how did how did once you were able to face head on that this was your reality that you had been through, you had been sexually abused by your father? In what ways did that impact your life? What types of struggles did you have? Where did that manifest? Um, I spiraled. Um,
1: I it took me a long time to accept it. I was in denial. Um, I definitely approached it in therapy as, like, I'm having false memories. And the therapist was like, you're actually in denial. And, like, we need to work through this. So coming to terms with that made me feel worthless. I've always been a pretty confident person. And I just felt like my perception of who I was had been shattered. And... It was hard for me, because I was already a parent, for me to wrap my head around how you could do that. Because I look at my daughter and she is the most precious human being. And I just, I just don't get how you can do that to your, anybody, but to your own kid. And then just have like so much hatred for me going forward. He, I mean, he he probably still hates me. Uh, And that's okay. But um, it definitely, I, I, I think I just recently spoke about this, but um, this kind of all came to a head in 2020 where I really started dealing with it um, and it set me kind of spiraling. I became very depressed, very anxious, and I started dealing with some really serious suicidal ideation. And I, for a solid two months, really was scared. I just like I I, because I didn't want to not be here and my life is incredible so I felt incredibly selfish um for feeling that way and I didn't know why I felt that way um but I hated myself so and I think and I the more survivors I talk to the more common that experience is where like it creates like a self-hatred inside of you that you really have to like overcome later on Um, but I, I really, I've taken kind of my situation. I look at it as I am who I am in spite of him. Um, the best like healing or like revenge for me has been living a good life and surrounding myself with kind men. That was something I was so like, I think when I moved to Denver, I went on like 16 or 18 first dates. And I just knew I like there's some there were two guys where I got up during dinner and I left. And I was like I that's awesome. One of them was so rude to the waiter. Oh boy, I hate that. And I was like, and I said to him. I was like <laughs> So I was like, I'm gonna I'll I'll pay for my what I've had. I think it we we just have like a drink at that point. And I was like, Oh no. Oh I am not the one. <laughs> the way you treat your mom And the way you treat customer service, service industry workers says all I need to know about you. So I was very like, I think part of it too, though, was that I had grown up in purity culture and I was told that you date to marry. So I didn't like do a whole lot of like dating for funsies, which I look back on and like, maybe I should have done more of that, but not really. Um, But the man I dated right before my husband, I could have married him. Um, However, we ended up having a conversation where he was like, I don't want kids. And I was like, well, like, that's something that, like, I need. Like, this is just, like, a part of my life that, like, this is is a non-negotiable. And so it was my first experience breaking up with someone who I had feelings for who I cared about deeply but I recognized in that moment that we didn't want the same things uh, long term and that it would be better to break up now than to become more attached to each other and then potentially resent the other person like I would have resented not having kids and he probably would have resented having kids so that was super hard but then you know my husband's incredible and I wouldn't have you know, met him. Yeah, see, but yeah, I, I I really paid attention to like how I was spoken to. Um, my husband definitely pursued me. He made it really clear what his intentions were, um, which was huge for me. And like, I don't know how the dating scene is everywhere else, but Denver is brutal. Denver is known for being a
0: brutal place to date. So just glad to be out of that. Well, it sounds like Despite, or in spite, I I never know the difference. Um, You were very intentional with finding partners from the get-go. It doesn't sound like you, in relationships, um, had struggled emotionally as a result of your experiences.
1: No, but it was largely because I was emotionally unavailable. (laughs) So it was super easy for me to just be like, goodbye. Like, I probably... I'm sure there are a handful of men out there that think I'm a bitch, but yeah, I tried to be nice about it, but I was just like, Hey, I just don't see this going anywhere. And I am not one to be friends after, after we part ways. I'd rather just move on. Right. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, but I was really intentional because I knew I've saw both ends of the spectrum. I saw my biological dad and how he treats women in general. And then when my mom remarried my stepdad, the polar opposite man, Mm -hmm. um, and he adopted my sister and I um, and raised us. And so, yes, I had these very traumatic, formative first years. But then I got to see my mom choose better and choose better for us. And we we got to I don't know. He never once raised his voice at her. He was just one to like, he didn't want to fight with anybody. He was just a really good guy and really kind. And so that's what I knew that I knew that I wanted that. I knew that I wanted to be with someone who was a good father, um, a good friend, like someone who holds other people accountable. And I really feel like I also pay attention to the men they surround themselves with because I it is important who you surround yourself with. And I feel like all of his friends are really great. Like, they're really great guys and fathers and husbands. And so it's, like, it's really nice. But like you were saying earlier, like, it's nice having, um, like, mom friends who, like, love motherhood. Like, it's really refreshing. And it's really refreshing to, like, have friends who really love their marriages. Mm-hmm. And, like... I don't know. It's very, it, I love it.
0: Um, so in what ways have has have, has all of this shaped the way that you're raising your daughter? Um,
1: I think that the biggest thing, the underlying thing, is instilling confidence in who she is. Because I think anyone can do this, but if you are not confident in who you are, you're going to seek out validation from other people it's adding like a layer of protection for her yeah because you're less likely to get yourself into situations where you're peer pressured or where you want to you don't want to do something um and I feel like I feel like she already at seven has a really good grasp on that and like hey like no you're not allowed to do that um and if someone doesn't respect her boundaries she'll go tell someone an adult who will enforce that boundary Um, And so I just hope that I can continue to, like, foster that in her. And as she gets older, because I know, like, middle school and teenage years are, I think, difficult for everyone, regardless of your support system or how you're raised. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm, like, really learning as I go at this point because I know so much about babies and, and, like, five, six-year-olds. And now we're kind of getting into the realm of, like, the big kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Like,
0: I don't know. Um, Earlier in our last conversation, I meant to bring this up with the way that you are doing gentle parenting. You said multiple times that it's just something that's natural to you. And I think that I just want to validate you. As you go into this season with her, that it sounds like you all, I think all mothers really, if, if they've done the work on themselves um, and are committed to growing themselves, their intuition is all that they need to rely on when it comes to the way that they raise their children. And I'm confident that as you go into this big kid stage, you're going, you're going as you go, but ultimately you're doing the right thing. As as you are continuing to trust your intuition, I'm confident that you're leading her in the right direction. And I know also that you are someone who is has a lot of humility. And it sounds like what I've gathered is as a parent, you're probably not someone who's afraid to admit mistakes to your child and apologize, apologize. to your child. Okay. Yeah. And I think that that... I think that you going into this new season, not really knowing what you're doing is such a wonderful opportunity for you to make mistakes and for you to continue to apologize and model for her the beauty in making mistakes and the empowerment that comes with admitting those mistakes and growing from them. So sorry, I just went on this like... No, I love that. Hy- hype up tangent. I do that a long time. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm just like...
1: I'm failing. Like, oh, I mean, I know, we all do these days. But I don't know. There are just times where, like, lately, where she'll say something that's, like, I wouldn't say disrespectful, but, like, very sassy that catches me off guard. And I'm, like, like, oh. why would you say that? Like, and I just have to, like, not respond. I just have to be like, okay, like, because there are some battles worth fighting and there are yeah. some that aren't. And I do have to give her space to be happy yeah. attitude a little bit. And that's a good point. Something that I was doing when she was younger, I would say like, oh, like, let's not be dramatic or whatever. And I have completely cut that word out of my vocabulary. So I I just decided like two years ago, I was like, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going to say that because I don't want to like. I don't want her to feel like her expressing her feelings or just having a bad day or being in a bad mood um, is, like, wrong. And another thing that I've done is if I'm in a bad mood, because my mom would do this where she would be in a bad mood and she wouldn't tell you why. And so she would just kind of give you the silent treatment or storm around the house. And there are times where I'm frustrated and stuff where I know that she's picking up on that energy she's very sensitive to people's vibe Mm -hmm. and um i don't want her to be hyper aware of other people's feelings necessarily in the same way i am because that's like a whole bad rabbit hole so i make sure to like look at her and be like hey i'm i'm very tired this morning i'm a little bit cranky um I just wanted you to know that because it doesn't have anything to do with you. And it immediately, ca- like, immediately calms her down. Like, she, you can just tell she relaxes. Um, Because I never want her to feel like she's responsible for my feelings
0: ever. Um, Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I actually practice that in my marriage, too. It takes so much pressure off of everybody involved and then makes them more likely to try to support you or create an environment around you so that you can have those feelings and work through those feelings. Yeah. But what are, so this is, this will just be a two part question. What are some things that we can teach our children to give them an extra layer of protection and autonomy to prevent sexual abuse from happening to them? And what are some things that we as parents can look out for, to also advocate or also protect our kids what are some of those red flags um
1: so the resources that i would recommend um well really the biggest thing is teaching your kids the name of their body parts and teaching them that they belong to them and that no one else is allowed to touch them um especially like after they're potty trained um no one should be up in their business, even their parents, unless they're needing like help wiping or whatever. Um, the book only for me. I can't recommend that book enough. I I don't get paid to say that, but I'm like it is the most important book that any parent can own. Um, <clears throat> so that's the biggest thing: letting your kids know that you will believe them. If anything, if they come, if, establishing a like, if you come to me with something if anyone does anything to you or you have a bad feeling about something um that like that feeling is like safe with me you're not going to be in trouble i believe you um yeah so just kind of like validating that so that they know that no matter what they they can actually come to you because i think a lot of parents say that oh, yeah, like I've told my kid they can come to me with whatever, but then they have a disproportionate reaction when their kid screws up. Mm -hmm. Um, So just establishing like an open line of communication is huge. Establishing that they're not going to get in trouble, that no one's going to hurt you. Because sometimes, uh, actually a lot of times, (laughs) abusers will tell the child that they're going to hurt somebody that they care about they're gonna hurt their mom which was used in my situation or um this is like just our little secret or like this is just a game for you and me or um in my situation it's this is how daddies show love to their kids um so it's important that they know that like you're talking about tricky people we hear about stranger danger all the time, but talking about people close to home who might have bad intentions is super important. Because like I said, it's 90% of CSA survivors uh, know their abuser intimately. Um, so it's people you know. And I highly, highly recommend you not leave your kids with boyfriends or girlfriends. That you are just, like if you're a single parent. Um, don't just leave your kids with whoever. I understand that being a single parent comes with lots of um, obstacles and like things, not a lot of support, not as much um, as they need. Um, so I think out of desperation, people will lean on people that they think they can trust but so many of the comments i get on my videos are like it was my stepdad like it was my mom's boyfriend and uh or it was like it was my dad's friend family friends Mm -hmm. um i would be i'm not saying to just like not trust people but there are only a handful of people that i would leave my kid with um just because you don't know and people who are looking to hurt kids do it by... It's not it's not just like a random stranger that just like suddenly like assaults your kid in most cases. It's someone who is grooming your child. Mm-hmm. That's another thing to look out for. Be weary of people trying to give your kids gifts. Like... How do I put that? It's not like birthday, Christmas gifts, like family stuff, but like showing extra attention to them. Um, offering to, especially if there's other kids like in the family or whatever, offering to take that child to go do something. Or it's just kind of like someone's showing special interest in that child in a way that isn't normal. Um what else? I know a lot of people who like are aware of familial abuse that has happened and it's even happened to them and they will still continue to bring their child around the people who abused them so that's how so much generational csa abuse because it it typically is generational um occurs is because people well they're family you need to forgive family which is bullshit Mm -hmm bullshit you don't owe anyone forgiveness um in that situation and you don't you don't owe those people your time um and i don't know it just i have a friend who was sexually abused by her brother um raped by her brother and uh she didn't tell her mom until she was 18 and then when, when she told her, her mom told her, I'm sorry that happened to you, but you can't tell anyone that. And I can't, I don't know. And I, and then I talked to other survivors and that's a pretty common theme of, of like not, of needing to sweep it under the rug if it's family. And, or like not wanting to get someone in trouble. That's used a lot too. Well well, you know, they could go to jail. Like this could ruin their lives without thinking about how like that person has ruined this child's life or greatly impacted their development. Because the years where my abuse occurred were the most, they're the most fundamental years of your life. And I've had therapists explain it to me. Just some of the things I deal with on a day-to-day, I deal with crazy anxiety Um. And I've been in therapy my whole life, pretty much, from the age of six on. And mm. my brain formed differently. My brain developed in terms of, like, needing to be in bite or flight to survive. So I constantly feel like I'm having to, like, I just don't feel safe in general. And I I wished it was different for me. I still do a lot to try to counteract that. But um, that will forever impact my life. It, um, it has impacted my, even impacts my relationship today. Yeah. So just feeling like I'm not good enough, even though my husband has done nothing to lead me to even feel that way. Um, it's just these deep-seated beliefs that became my inner voice that tell me that, like, I'm not lovable because I was told that. I was told no one was ever going to love me. And when I'm dealing with depression or anxiety, I still hear that in my head, that I'm not worthy of being loved. And so in order for me to deal with that, I've done a lot of inner child work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, almost, I So I went from hating myself to viewing myself as someone who's now taking care of that little girl. Who is, you know, wouldn't let her get hurt and will continue to shield her from anything else, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's a tough journey, but it's like so worth it in the end. My life is so good and beautiful, and I'm surrounded by the most incredible people. So I just want people to know that like you do have to put in a lot of work to overcome what happened there's just no way around it um you can let it consume you or you can use it as fuel to like drive you like I said I am who I am in spite of him Mm -hmm. um I'm a good person in spite of him I'm a good I'm a good parent a good teacher um and another thing that really helped me was um my mom telling me that um, he missed out on us. She goes, sometimes I felt guilty growing up because I had you all to myself and you guys were amazing and he missed out on you. And so I'm able to frame it that way as like I did become this amazing person. I always had the capacity to be. I, w- I was always lovable as a child, even though I was made to feel like I wasn't. Um, He, he did miss out. And he will never meet my family. He's never met my sister's family. He... He tried to steal my identity back in 2020. What the hell? And so now he can't legally contact me. (laughs) That's a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) But Tulsa Police Department was like, "Hey, Oh, boy. Um, you know, and and I feel like he made his bed. And now he gets to lay in it. Um... I for years and years in high school made excuses and I even though he wasn't in our lives I was like well you know he was abused as a child and you know I made excuses but then again as a parent I'm like no no you didn't love us like at all um and you don't deserve to be in my life but um and I'm comfortable sharing this I think I think it's fine um Last year, like, towards the end of last year, my mom let my sister and I know that he was in the hospital. And she's like, I know you guys don't like to talk about him, but he's, like, in liver failure or something. Wow. And at that hospital contacted me. And I had to, like, really awkwardly to the medical staff be like, he can't contact me. Um, and you don't want me making medical decisions for him. And I just, like, left it out there, like, understood. And I will not be made to feel bad for not, like, forgiving him, even though he's, like, dying. Right. And then the most recent thing I heard is that he's homeless. And when I said, oh, okay, I was met with, wow, like, that's kind of, like, heartless. And I'm like, no, it's not. The man avoided for 20 years like not getting a job. Yeah. To avoid helping take care of his children. Right. Um this isn't a me problem. Mm-hmm. And like that might maybe sound terrible, but I think given yeah. our history, like I don't I think we're good to just like wash our hands of it. Um I honestly I think my sister and I will I don't know if I ever say this. I, I do feel like once he's gone. I think my sister and I will feel relieved. I think that we will feel safer. Even though I logically know he ha- he doesn't know where I live. He has no access to me. Um I think it'll still feel like a relief. Cuz he truly it was it was like living with a monster.
0: Mm-hmm. So you And I think that it's I I want to again validate you. You don't sound like an awful person for not caring. And I mean, you you, for for your survival and for your ability to be in a healthy relationship and be in a place where you can mother with such intention and love, you had to separate all emotion from him to survive and to heal. And so it's not surprising that that you have this reaction. And I think I think it's a sign of dare I say health growth, because if you were to feel bad and it's okay if there are, pe- I mean, all feelings are valid, but if, if someone you- comes to a point of forgiveness, that's great. If that is part of your healing journey, right. it's just not part of mine. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for your vulnerability. This was so wonderful for, for me to be able to be on the receiving end of of hearing this and holding space for this. It, and I... and. I am taking a lot of tangible stuff away from this and I am confident that your story is going to help a lot of people who are survivors um, and people who might be facing or will be facing soon some realizations um, of their own childhood like like you did and that you were able to share.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This This is kind of my whole point of being on TikTok. And being on social media is to make other people feel like they're not alone and that someone will believe them and that you can push through it. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for joining me this week for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoy the podcast in general, I would love for you to subscribe so you'll never miss out on upcoming episodes featuring other brilliant minds and insightful topics. Also, don't forget to rate and review while you're at it. Your ratings and feedback mean the world to me and help me reach more listeners. So, Misty and Loves You, have the best day ever, same time next week. Bye.